Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. Welcome back to Riverside Online. Today we start our new series called Emerge, which we've described as the journey of becoming visible again. The COVID pandemic has forced us to hide away in our homes, uh, away from our communities, away from our families and friends, away from our workplaces. And as we come out of this, this last lockdown, we've got to process what it is to come back into visibility with each other and with our communities. And I think the reason we want to do this series is because I think there'll be a great deal of vulnerability that we'll feel as we emerge from lockdown, as we emerge from these sort of hidden places. We've been hidden behind our masks. We've been hidden behind our doors. And I think as we emerge back into the public setting, there will be a degree of vulnerability that we have to process and work through. I don't know if you've ever broken a bone Uh, in an arm or a leg or a foot maybe or playing sport or some other accident but um, if you've done that then you'll know what it means to feel vulnerable as that thing heals. When I was uh, 19 I snapped my medial ligament in my left knee playing American football and it was quite a quite a catastrophic injury really. My knee was dislocated, uh, my ligament snapped. It's a big ligament so if it's a snap my knee went under some serious forces and I had to have surgery to have that ligament repaired, it wouldn't heal on its own. So I went into surgery and when I came out, I was plastered from my thigh down to my foot. And I stayed in that cast for six weeks uh, while the ligament that had been stitched together healed and repaired. And um, I can remember the day I went to have that plaster cast taken off and I was very nervous. I felt very vulnerable. And uh, they cut the cast off from top to bottom and there was my leg, and it was a sorry sight. It, it was about this thick. Uh, all the muscles had wasted away during the time that my leg had been inside the cast. I had a large scar where the surgeon had to go in and find the ends of the ligament to rejoin it. And uh, the leg just felt so vulnerable, so, so sort of sensitive. It was numb where they cut and done the surgery. It was super sensitive to the movements of the air just in the room. And I was sort of terrified that someone would come and bang it. I was super cautious about people being around it. And then I tried to lift it off the bed. And I realised it was so weak it could barely lift off the bed. And then to my horror, when I tried to bend it, I realised I couldn't bend my knee. I could no longer bend my knee. And because the surgeon had to sort of lap the ligament together to repair it, it was no longer long enough to go to flex to, to allow my knee to bend. So my knee was was just immobile. And the whole thing felt like, will I ever be the same again? Will I ever be able to run again? Will I even be able to walk properly again? It just felt, it just felt very strange. I felt very vulnerable. And I had this sort of hypervigilance where I would sort of make sure no one came too close to sort of bang into my, my super vulnerable leg. In reality, the surgeon had done a great job of repairing the ligament, but at the time, I felt so, so vulnerable. I think as we emerge from lockdown, as we emerge from the sort of the the, the cast or the cocoon of the enforcement of of isolation that we've all experienced, I think we're going to feel a degree of vulnerability 
in the same way. We're all going to feel the effects of the trauma that we've been through. We're all going to feel that trauma in different ways. Some of us are going to feel fragile. Some of us are going to feel super sensitive. Some of us are going to experience numbness. And I'm sure we'll all, to a degree, be hypervigilant about how close people get to us as we go out back into public spaces again. We may be seeing danger where there is no danger, but we'll be that hyper-alertness will be going on in our minds because we're so used to being shut away just with ourselves or with a small number of people. And I think just like me, with my leg all those years ago, we're going to wonder if things are ever going to be the same again. Well, the good news is that our bodies are incredibly good at dealing with trauma and are incredibly good at self-healing if we give them the right care and attention. And in my case, what my leg needed most was rehabilitation. And that came through physiotherapy. Three times a week for the next 12 weeks, I was taken to hospital and I had a great lady physio who was firm but fair. She was the right person to rehab my leg and return the muscles and the strength and the flexibility. So every, every, three times a week I'd do these exercises to strengthen the leg muscles and then the bit that I hated the most, she'd get hold of my leg and she'd try and bend it. And the first time she did that I was terrified because I was terrified the ligament would snap again. And she bent the leg just a couple of degrees and then stopped and then a few days later she bent the leg a couple more degrees and then stopped. And over the weeks the leg began to regain flexibility. Was it tough? It was really, really tough. There were some days I did not want to be picked up, I did not want to be taken to physio, I did not want to go through that stretching process that she was putting my knee through. But what she said to me was there was no shortcut for recovery for my knee. I couldn't just lie on a bed at home and hope my knee would get better. I couldn't just wish it better. I had to go through this rehabilitation process, this stretching process, to return the strength and the flexibility. And I also had to discover something called proprioception. And it's a strange word, but what it means is I had to, my brain had to learn where my leg was again in relation to the rest of me. Because of the damage to my ligaments and my nerves, I had to regain an understanding of where my leg was in relation to the rest of my body. So I could balance properly, so I could walk properly, and so I could run properly. And as we emerge from COVID, we're going to have to go through rehabilitation process. We're going to go through a time of stretching to regain our flexibility and our capacity for other people. And I think we're also going to have to rediscover our own sense of proprioception. We're going to have to figure out where are we in relation to other people? We, you know, how do we regain that sense of connection in a right way? We've been isolated for so long, it makes us nervous around others. We're not quite sure of what is a right distance anymore, what is a right space, what's an appropriate space. And just I had to learn where my leg was in space compared to my body, we're going to have to learn where we are in space in relation to each other. And also our hypervigilance is going to have to dial down to an appropriate level as we get used to other people being in proximity to us. 
I thought at the start of this series I'd recap briefly just over the year that we've been through and the emotional roller coaster that we've all experienced. So let's go back to the spring of last year and the first lockdown. I'll, I'll use this graph of our emotions to sort of journey us through those past 12 months. And if you remember, when COVID broke, there was a time of real confusion, a massive adjustment as we came to terms with the impact of this pandemic on our, on our social structures and on our emotions. And our emotions took this first huge plunge as we really came to terms that you can see on this red line here, our emotions just took a plunge as we realized just how significant and impacting COVID was going to be. And then we adjusted and our emotions, I think, began to rally and began to turn upward again. Uh, in July of last year, there was this super Saturday when pubs and restaurants were allowed to reopen. And I think our emotions began to climb with a sense of hope and expectation that things would go back to normal quickly. People could meet up with one other household and some of the isolation was broken down. And our emotions were on the up and probably peaked over the summer. It was a beautiful summer. We enjoyed the sunshine. We could get outdoors and we were hopeful. And our emotions rose during that period. And we were into sort of a keeping steady, keep going forward. If, if we keep doing the right things, we'll be okay. And then in October, we had our second four-week lockdown. And that was followed by the massive disappointment of not being able to meet together at Christmas with our families and friends. And that caused our emotions to plummet once more. And we were momentary, momentarily distracted, I think, with Christmas. And maybe our emotions had a little peak as we thought about other things and tried to adjust but then as we came into the dark winter nights of January, our emotions really began to plummet. And I think it's probably led us into our darkest time of lockdown. And this was lockdown three. And we really, I think, hit a low place. All of us were coming to the end of our capacity for this. Our emotions were running low. The nights were dark. It was cold. We couldn't get outside so much. And really, this was a real low point, I think, for all of us and began to really recognise and confront the deeper issues of how, how impactful COVID was in our nation and across the face of the earth. And then as we journeyed through January, through February, we began to become hopeful again. There was a, a sense of lockdown three coming to an end. And hopefully this was the last lockdown that we'd have to experience. We were anticipating our future freedom and our emotions are on the rise. Now we could pause this picture here and say that's where we are in time. Our emotions are on the rise, we're anticipating the end of this third and final lockdown, we're anticipating the return of freedom. But I want to cast us forward into the future as we emerge. And this last section of the graph I think we're forecasting there will be initial excitement, there will be a honeymoon period We'll be on an emotional high as some of the restrictions are lifted and we can come back out and start to be and do normal things again. But then I think there will be another emotional dip as we recognise the world has changed. The world has changed and we won't go back to what we ever were prior to COVID. I think there'll be disappointments, there'll be questions and there'll be realisations as we come to terms with what COVID has done to our society. And I think we'll face some sort of reverse culture shock. And what that means is some of the things that you were so normal to you, so everyday to you, now will seem very strange to you and very alien to you. 
and you have to readjust to integrating with culture once again. Now I'm thankful to Simon Barrington, the leadership consultant who put this graph together. I think it gives us a good overview of where our emotions have been over this past 12 months. Obviously the last half of this graph is purely a forecast. You know, some of these things you may not experience, some of these things you may experience as we come to terms with emerging from lockdown. And it's said, been said before, you know, we've all been in the same storm, but we've not been in the same boat. And it's been a very unique journey to each one of us as we've gone through the past 12 months. Our emotional journey has been very unique to each one of us. And as we emerge from COVID, our emerging journey will also be personal and unique. We'll have different things to cope with. We'll feel differently about different situations. But we're all gonna need take, to take time to process. And we're all gonna need to take time to prepare for what's coming in the next season. And that's what we're going to try and do through these Emerge series over the next six weeks, is help us to process and prepare as we emerge and become visible again to one another. Next week, Keely will be looking at processing some of the grief and loss that we've all experienced during the past 12 months. But today, I want us to do a little bit of preparation for the future as we emerge. Back in February of 2020, just before COVID struck, we did a timely sermon series called Unhurry. And if you've missed that series, you can go back on our website and just click on 2020 and you'll find it there. You'll be able to listen to the podcasts. The last talk in that series was on Sunday, the 2nd of February, just a few weeks before the COVID outbreak. And that sermon was called Slowing. And let me read you an extract from the talk I did on that day, on Sunday, the 2nd of February. I said, as our Unhurry series draws to a close, there'll be a temptation for us all to speed up again and return to the many distractions that are eager for our attention. So this is when we need to be intentional about securing and building on the new patterns we've found helpful. If we reflect on the elements of the past few weeks, we can create a framework for intentional spiritual nurturing. As I spoke those words and I'd written those words, little did I know a few weeks later, we'd all be forced to slow. We'd all be forced to readjust and reevaluate our lives. So as we near the end of this third and hopefully final lockdown, I want us to think and evaluate and reflect on what COVID has taught us. How have our values adjusted? How have our expectations changed? What do we need to put in place as we look to go forward? As I thought and reflected on my own time during the past 12 months, I found three statements from Pete Scazzaro, who's the author of Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. He wrote these three challenging statements. They're going to come on the screen now. The first one, what you do matters, who you are matters more. The state you are in is the state you give to others. You cannot give what you do not possess. Just think about these three statements for a moment. What you do matters, but who you are matters more. 
Peter's saying your being is ultimately more important than your doing. The state you are in is the state you give to others. And Peter's saying whatever is inside of you comes out when you relate to other people. Whatever's inside of you, whatever state you are in, this is what you will give to other people. This is what they will receive from you. And the last thing links to that, you cannot give what you do not possess. The only thing you can give to others is what you yourself have to give. We can only give what's within ourselves. We can't give what's not within ourselves. We can't give them what we don't have. So who we are, what state we're in, and what we have to give, all these things I think are going to come into real sharp focus as we emerge from COVID, as we emerge from lockdown, as we become visible to one another again. So what can we do to prepare for this? What can we do to rehabilitate ourselves for the future? Well, what I suggested back in February of last year is that we put in place a framework of conscious, intentional habits that will give our spirituality support and structure and enable us to become intentional about our spiritual growth. And we can call this, it's like a, like a trellis you put in place for plants. If, if, if you're a keen gardener and you've put plants in, some plants need support to be able to grow up. And so we put in place a trellis, so simply a support, a framework for the, for the plant to, to grab a hold of and attach to and feel supported by. And then it encourages that plant to grow up and to climb. And as we talk about a framework of intentional habits, we're thinking like a trellis. What can we put in place in our own lives that will encourage and support our spiritual growth? As disciples of Jesus, there is an expectation that we will all grow in God. That's something that's very clear through the words of Jesus and through the Bible. If we're, if we're disciples of Jesus, if we're following him, then growth is to be expected. The Apostle Paul talked about growth as well. There was a sense of planting and growth, and God bringing growth as we follow Jesus. So as a gardener, just as we're intentional about putting frameworks in to support the expected growth, I think now is a good time to think about what frameworks can we put in to support the expected growth and challenge that we're going to face as we emerge from COVID. And the key thing about these conscious habits that I'm going to talk about today is that they enable us to receive God's love. They're, they're putting in place things that intentionally allow us to receive God's love so that we can be people who can give God's love. Remember, we can't give what we don't have. So if we want to give away the love of God to other people in our church, in our communities, then we have to be intentional about receiving that love into our own lives. John Wimber once said, you can't serve what you're not cooking. And so what we're looking to do is to, to, to create a place of intentionality in our own lives, of receiving God's love, that we can serve that love, give that love to others. I think the most important gift you can give to other people as you emerge from lockdown is the love of God. As you come into contact with people and proximity with people in church, in the community, in your neighbourhoods, in your workplace, the most important gift you can give to them is an overflow of God's love from you 
to them. Everyone is going to feel vulnerable. Everyone is going to be sensitive. Everyone's going to be hypervigilant. People may have a lack of grace, short fuses. People may be frustrated. Their anger may be projected onto you. We need a surplus of God's love to give away to others. If we walk closely with Jesus, if we're intentional about our connection with him, then we'll receive his love and we can give his love away. The ancient followers of Jesus, they called this trellis, this, this framework of habits, they called it a rule of life. And that sounds quite formal, but simply put, it just means an intentionality, a tool designed to help us be conscious of God in every area of our lives every day. And it's there to support us to receive God's love and it's there to encourage us to become the people and to do the things that God is calling us to do. And if you've been following Jesus for a number of years, you may already have some things in place in your life that help you do this. Or you may be somebody who's really struggled to find a rhythm of connecting with God, a rhythm for your spirituality. Or you may be somebody who's brand new to faith or just thinking about faith and is wondering, how can I make Jesus the centre of my life? How can I walk with him? Well, hopefully some of these things I'll share today will help create this trellis, this framework for your spiritual growth. And I think now is a great time to be thinking about this. A great time to be thinking about how can I put in place things that will support me for the future. COVID has shown us that the future is always uncertain and many of the things that we put our trust in and our value in have really been shaken. But the things I'll talk about today are unshakable things, things that you can put in place that will carry you into the future regardless of circumstance, regardless of what happens. These are things of eternal value. And if you put them in place, they will create an intentionality about your spirituality. You won't just be hoping that you'll get your growing God. Any more than I could just hope my leg would get better if I just watched it and looked at it and hoped for it. I had to rehabilitate it. I had to go through the stretching and the recovery and the exercises that recover the strength and the flexibility so my knee is now back to normal. It's fully strong. I don't ever think about it. It's, it works as well as it ever did. But I had to go through rehab. I had to do the exercise. There was no shortcuts to what I needed to to go through, to become rehabilitated and strong again. And I think sometimes we think about our spirituality in the wrong way. We think it'll just kind of happen to us. It'll just kind of come in an ad hoc fashion. But the ancient followers of Jesus learned that they needed frameworks of intentionality to help them stay connected to God, to help them become conscious of God's presence in every area of their life. So this rule of life for you and for me is a personal thing. It doesn't have to be heavy doesn't have to be onerous, but together we can think about this as we emerge from lockdown into the next season. So what does a rule of life look like? Well, we can think about it in four broad areas. Um, they're on the screen for you now. We can think about prayer, rest, the work area, and relationships. Four broad areas, four broad headings that we can think about creating a framework for our spiritual growth. So in each of these four areas, we're thinking about putting things in place, habits of intention that will help us grow in God. And join them all together in the centre there, you see that what we're trying to do is receive God's love so we can give God's love. 
We're trying to be people who are God-conscious, who are constantly receiving from the Father, so we're giving away the love of the Father, just like Jesus demonstrated to us. So let's think about that first area we call prayer. And this encompasses any regular habits of devotion. And this can encompass everything like coming aside to quiet, uh, coming aside to listen to God, to read scripture, to read a devotional, to worship, to pray, to reflect on Bible passages using a a Lectio sort of approach where you you essentially read a very small passage of scripture and then you digest it and you think about it and you ask God to speak to you from it. All of these things come under this broad heading of prayer. Any regular habits of devotion that you put in place. It may be a space in your house that you go to. It may be a time. It may be certain things that you've intentionally put in place or are going to put in place that will help you connect with God, will help you receive his love, help you hear his voice. The next area is the rest area. And we can think about this as regular habits of restoration. So think about how you can intentionally schedule things into your life that restore your soul. What might Sabbath look like for you in some form? Sabbath is all about stopping Stopping from activity, ceasing from activity, so we can rest and allow our souls to be restored. What might it look like for you to turn your phone off for half an hour a day? To come aside to quiet and stillness? What might it look like for you to take time to enjoy and delight in something? To cease from activity for a time, just to rest and enjoy and relax? What does recreation mean? look like for you? What do you enjoy doing? What delights you? What restores you? All these things you can think about scheduling into this section of your rule of life. And then we come to the third area, the relationships area. We can think about this as regular patterns of connecting with others. So this is all about thinking about how to schedule time with, with people so you can, you can intentionally choose a a time to connect with them in a quality way. You're thinking about how do I presence myself with that person to create a real deep connection, a deep relationship. How How can I generate friendships with people, companions for this journey uh, with God together? So you're thinking about not just, again, an ad hoc way to relate to us. You're thinking about how can I intentionally make the time and the space for the key relationships in my life? How can, I, how can I schedule and make sure those things happen? Maybe it's connecting with your spouse, your children, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, your neighbours, friends. You're thinking about, I'm not going to let those things slide. I'm going to be intentional about connecting with the important people in my life. Because you want people who are going to journey with you. You want people who love you enough to speak truth to you, who can support you through the thick and the thin. And those sort of relationships need to be invested in. So this is the uh, relationships area of the rule of life. And the last area I've called the work area. And even if you don't go out to a paid job, we all have to do work. We all have things, roles, responsibilities, duties, things that just have to be done. We have to get done. And this is the, the work area of our lives. Any kind of activity that is a regular thing you need to do falls under the work area. What we're trying to do with the work area, we're trying to balance our doing and our being. Often we get, 
we get sucked into this cycle of continual activity, the doing, because it makes us feel, it makes us feel better, it makes us feel like we're achieving, it makes us feel like we're significant. But the rule of life teaches that we have to have this time to come aside and receive God's love. We can't give what we don't have. And so as we look at the work element of our lives, we have to think about what do I need to be careful about? What do I need to, you know, do I need to say yes to everything? Can I say no to some things? How do I, how do I ensure the work aspect of my life isn't overtaking all the other areas of my life? How can you intentionally safeguard that? But also, how can you become God conscious about God in the workplace, God in your activity? Are you inviting God into that activity, into that workspace? Are you being God conscious when you're at work or when you're doing your job or you're doing your roles or responsibilities? And what limits do you need to put in place to guard your interior life? Maybe you need to have a break in the day where you come aside for 10 minutes just to remember that you're a person of God and God's there with you in the workplace. Remember, what's inside comes out. So if we want to give our best to people, particularly in the workplace, we have to give attention to the interior life. The state we're in is the state we will give to others. If you're in a poor state inside, that's the state you will take to work. That's the state you will give to your work colleagues. So we use this method to create a a, a trellis, a rule of life. And what we're saying is that, that this is a trellis of intention that will help you to respond to God in all areas of your life. That's all we're trying to do. We're trying to put in place habits and intentions that keep us God conscious in all areas of our life. You're trying to intentionally connect with God to receive his love so you can give his love. So why not think about these four simple headings and maybe this week or over the next few weeks, maybe just jot down two or three things under each heading as you create your own rule of life. It will be unique and personal to you, unique and personal to your situation. Something that will help you grow in your spirituality. It hasn't got to be fancy or complicated or onerous. It doesn't have to be heavy or, or you know, you're not trying to impress God. What you're trying to do is put in place habits that will help you grow spiritually. So under prayer, you might want to, be, you might want to plan to be thankful for something every day, something as simple as that. Under rest, you might want to think about, as I said, maybe a time when you put your phone on silent and you come aside just for 10, 15 minutes, just in stillness and quiet, just to restore your soul. Under relationships, you might want to think about how you're specifically present for a family member or a friend. How are you being intentional about that relationship? How are you investing in it? How are you making quality time? Are you scheduling time to connect and contact that person? And under work, you might want to think about how you can become intentional—sorry, intentionality about inviting God into your workspace. Maybe on the way into work, on your commute, you say, God, you know, I want you to be with me today in my work, in my role. I want to honour you. I want to give glory to you. I want to listen to you. I know you can multiply the work of my hands by your spirit, so make me be fruitful today. Help me give something of a life to other people as I interact with them. Now's a great time to put in place a trellis like this to help support you and help strengthen you for what lies ahead. If we do this, we're going to be the best people for one another and for our communities. That We're going to be the best gift that we can give to others. And I think these simple things will help us rehabilitate 
and give us some structure, some exercise that will strengthen us, give us emotional and spiritual capacity for one another. I think that'll help us get the feeling back into our lives. As we've said, it'll help us receive God's love so we can give God's love away to our communities. It's important to remember that God always does in us what he wants to do through us. He always starts with us and then works out through us. So what does God want to do in you that he wants to do through you? What does God want to do in you first that he wants to do through you? If he wants to bring transformation to our coastlands, he wants to start by bringing transformation to you. Because you are his vehicle, you are the way, the instrument by which he will bring transformation. So what transformation does he want to bring about in your life? How does he want to change the state that you're in? How does he want to help you with your being versus your doing? What does he want to give you that you can give away to other people? So over the next few weeks, guys, let's be intentional about receiving God's love so that we can give away God's love. First of all, to our church community as we reconnect and come back together, then to our friends and neighbours as we emerge and become visible to each other again. We don't know what the last part of that graph will look like, but we want to prepare ourselves and support ourselves with habits that intentionally help us grow and stay conscious of a God who loves us and wants to pour his love into us and pour his love out through us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are all around us and you love us and you want us to become more aware of your spirit in every area of our lives. So God, I pray for every person watching, every person listening, God, help them, God, put in place a framework that will help them connect with you in a vital way. God, you know how each of us are uniquely wired and made. You know our struggles, you know our hopes, our dreams, our delights. God, would you come to each one of us over these next few days and weeks, God, and help us think about frameworks, trellises of support for your love and your growth. Give us something, God, to give away to others, we pray. Make us people of grace. And we ask this in your precious name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside. <laughs>